0: Welcome to another episode of Records Revisit, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who, well, he's ready to party like it's 1999. Here's my co-host from the left coast and the man who couldn't be any happier, Wayne Fugate.
1: Awesome. Hola, Benjamín. I wish it was 1999.
0: So for this episode, we have not only one special guest, but two special guests, one that is a repeat revisitor. Their most recent EP under the moniker Strays Don't Sleep is called a short film for a long story. Please welcome to the podcast, Nielsen Hubbard, and welcome back,
2: Matthew Ryan. All right. Hi, fellas. Hey. Hello. How we doing?
1: Pretty good.
2: Wayne had enough. He was like, I'm
1: out. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> the lighting in this room is killing me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we just switched to a recording service that also shows us on video as opposed to the last time you were here a couple of years ago, Matthew, it was just audio only. Yeah. And so now you guys get to see our ugly faces and um,
1: <laughs> and the terrible lighting in our home offices.
0: And And Wayne moved to an office. He was out in the dining room where there was yeah. better light and now it looks like he's in a Stalker film. Yeah, what it, going, <laughs> going
1: it was closer to the fridge too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. So premise of our podcast fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. I'm going to start with Wayne. So, what T-shirt are you wearing?
1: Well, I I wanted to go one of two ways. I have an I have a Guinness shirt, and I thought about wearing that, and I thought that might be a little over the top. So. I wanted to wear a cause shirt because the one thing about you two is they're they're very socially conscious. Even when they're not trying, they they are a little bit political. So the only thing I have is a save the turtles shirt. So it's worth saving the turtles. All right. Maybe you two could write a song about it.
2: I l- I like it. It's beautiful, That's, Wayne. That's beautiful. You didn't have to start it off so emotionally.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it just the moment felt right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about you, Matthew? What uh, what t shirt are you wearing?
2: Well, I was washing my car, and I I, I picked out my favorite car wash t shirt, and it's a just a black v neck, um, with tufts of chest hair coming out the top.
0: Okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. We're going we're going basic. All right. How about you, Nielsen? What t shirt are you wearing?
3: I'm wearing this v neck kind of grayish. Banana Republic t-shirt, which I have either about 15 gray ones and about 15 black ones of the exact same t-shirt, and then I've been wearing that for about 15 years, so that's kind of the way I go. (laughs) It makes it easier. I don't want that decision in the morning.
0: Yeah, we've had a lot of guests recently tell us, oh, this is what I'm wearing. I'm wearing my Hanes black t-shirt. This is probably the, what, sixth? Six T-shirt of its kind in my drawer, so <laughs> I guess only Wayne and I are buying T-shirts with like stuff printed on them these days. Huh?
1: Well, just one less thing to worry about every day.
0: It's
3: all right. I got a couple of printed ones. It's just you, kind of trying to go with the Obama look. You know, one suit, just the same look. You just get up and stick it on, and you're going. Makes it sure. easy, and it fits. So there you go. Easily recognized. <laughs> yep.
0: All right. Well, my T-shirt. I am wearing a uh, Tacoma Stars T-shirt, mm. and uh, they were a major indoor soccer league team from the '80s and early '90s. Uh, Wayne and I grew up in Tacoma, and we saw a lot of we saw a lot of soccer games back in the '80s. So when we're talking about an album like Unforgettable Fire, which um, takes me back to you know 8485 one of the things that i think about is soccer so um there we go that's why i'm wearing the Tacoma stars i i probably should be wearing one of my u2 t-shirts but um they just don't fit me anymore <laughs> so um so that that there we are all right um so, Matthew, you've, how, how are you doing? We, it's been a couple of years.
2: I'm pretty good, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's been a, a really rough time, hasn't it? You know, um, we're all kind of, I think, um, cautiously optimistic, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it has been a rough few years, my friend.
0: It has been. Inf- it, yeah, yeah I, I saw my very first show on Wednesday night, first since March of 2020. And it was, um, I, I almost, I almost got choked up on a couple different songs because I'm like, this is my happy place. and I'm so, so glad to be back, listening to live music and hanging out with people.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, who did you see, Ben? Who did you see? Was.
0: So I saw the Cordovas. Yeah. And Great Peak. Yeah. Oh, no, nice.
2: Yeah. 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 Good show Frank very good show yeah yes
0: yes all For in Frank. the family yeah that's cool all in the all in the family yeah yep. we had uh, we had Andrew from Gray Peacock on an episode a few months ago when we did a episode about hypnotic eye from mr. Tom Petty
2: ah I think uh, mm-hmm. I saw Rachel mention that somewhere yeah yeah, yeah. it's funny it's the cool. second time somebody's brought that petty record up to me that it's it's a uh, an overlooked gem is 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 what i'm hearing totally agree i'm gonna have to dig in i had a friend yeah. just the other day say uh, the exact same thing yep um and i you know i always feel bad because you know it's like with with petty we all you know whenever there's like long artists you have this you have this ability kind of get stuck in a particular phase you know yep um and a lot of times uh the, the newer work will end up catching up. You'll end up catching up with the newer work. So I'm, I'm looking forward to digging in with that record.
0: I have a good way. If you catching up with that, you can listen to an episode of Records Pocket. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry, I had to do the yeah. the, the, the the shameless plug yeah. there. I, you sounded so earnest at first. I really was like, know, Wait, "Oh, know. what's he going to say?" <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> I'm 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 the worst guy when it comes to promotion and trying to like promote myself. I can't even do it with a straight face.
2: I think that that's know? a good thing. That is a show of good a good spirit. I think that's a good thing.
0: All right. Well, that's
2: that's good. Yeah.
0: Um all right. Strays don't sleep. Let's talk about Strays don't sleep. So it's been a few years between recordings. Indeed. So so <laughs> what uh what what took you guys so long to, to record again? Let's 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 ask Nielsen that
3: question. Um. Well, I think just a lot of life. I mean, we kind of had a it was a little bit of a romantically dra- dramatic ending, I guess. Uh, for, at the beginning, you know, the first record, I felt like we. I mean, but I felt like we repaired like anything that you know. I think everybody being young and just wanting to go for something and everybody it just kind of got a little sideways, but I felt like Ryan and I were talking really quickly a couple of years after. And we, it even started kind of thinking about doing some stuff. I just feel like, I mean, you move Ryan moved. I, I was really busy with production stuff. Ryan was putting out his own solo stuff. And it felt like every time we would like maybe think about something that was like in the middle, like oh, I'm, I've just finished it. Ryan would finish a record and, Be on the road, and then I was doing another record with somebody, so we would always kind of come back. And then I guess once Ryan moved back to Nashville, we started really felt like that's really where our friendship really you know, we just realized how much we cared about each other as people and as like as collaborate just about collaboration and and how we see the world. And we started having really great talks, and then it was kind of natural. Then I think we started writing right before the year of the, I mean, it was what, 19, right? At the end of 19, yeah. we started Yeah, writing,
2: uh, yeah, yeah.
3: Everything kind of started falling falling to pieces last year, and the, but we still ended up um, finding a way to, to make those songs together, which was a real bright spot for, for us personally last year in yeah. the midst of all that. Absolutely. But yeah, I don't know how it took years.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so you you are predominantly production stuff, though I, I have checked out some of your your music as well, Nielsen. But um, anyone in particular that um, you know their album stand out for you that you were involved in in the, the production of?
3: Well, I mean, I you know I've worked with Matthew on solo stuff, and that always is amazing to me. I, I, I worked with a guy a bunch of records for a guy named Matthew Perryman Jones that was there's a lot of TV film stuff and then yeah this guy um, Sam Baker who's a a great artist from Texas and that kind of like knowing Sam we did a couple project things together and that led me I ended up working on Mary Gauthier's record a couple years back and that did well so that was um, yeah I mean those are kind of it's kind of that it's all the same world like the americana folky whatever we call this stuff i don't really know anymore but it's it's um i there's just a lot of great artists in nashville and then a lot of people through like uh, there's a guy that i worked with over in ireland this guy ben glover who we ended up making a starting another band this band the orphan brigade that we do records through and did a lot of stuff overseas and through that I've worked with a lot of cool artists from overseas. So that's been, been really cool.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I was listening to your EP today and I, and I have to say um, it's best driving around like the, the, your EP is, is driving music for me. And maybe that is how I equate um, Matthew, your, your music because you know i i got into your music on my long commutes and so there were many there were many a, a commute where matthew ryan was my soundtrack so I, I i was listening to your album today or the ep and so i i don't ask this question flippantly but um matthew do you write any happy songs
2: um i yeah i think they're all happy songs cuz they're the, 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 <laughs> the, 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 you know, you're singing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 um, that's a tough thing, man. You know, uh, any any life explored um, understands the ephemeral nature of our experiences. You know, you can't pretend that that's not true. Um, but you, uh, that there's something. Yeah defiant about, you know, understanding that despite the kind of kind of quickness of uh, experience and, and the way that things change and, and loss and, you know, uh, that you, you you have to be defiant in your hope. And so I, I don't think they're sad songs. I think they're defiantly hopeful songs.
0: Defiantly hopeful. I love that.
2: Um, but the, I understand, like, in pop music, um, you know, we're it's a funny thing, you know, because like, um, there's really, there's there's not much uh, there's not much art that's happy that's good, you know. Even comedies that are great have a sadness about them, um, and I think that that's just because uh, there's a, there's a truth to that, you know. There's a truth to, um, you know, living and 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 having enough gall. To want it to be beautiful uh, despite what happens. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, none None of your songs are ever going to be turned into a dance remix. Is I don't...
2: Uh, at least not a successful one.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, I guess... I guess hope hope is a love song. That yeah, would be. I would
1: consider that a happy song. That would, hey, be, a, that that would what, be. a happy
2: song. Could you turn Wayne up a little bit? Because that was wonderful. He I
1: I could I'm I I think <laughs> Wayne get closer to this. No thing, no no
2: though. no. I mean I mean just for effect because he was he sounded so earnest when he said it. You know, put a little reverb on his voice, like when you're editing. Yeah. I think it's a happy okay, song. A you know, a little delay, a
1: little echo.
2: <laughs> you. <know? laughs> like Oz. <laughs> Yeah, no, man. Yeah, I think it's a happy song.
3: Silver hills,
2: a Christmas Eve. You're the only thing I wanna see. Everything is beautiful. lit by fireflies I see the sparks in your eyes Everything is beautiful again Oh Hope is a love song So that's funny because that's the song that we had we had started that we had started that song some time ago. And it was interesting the way that it um you know, so much in what we do like in music is basically about I think when it's good it is about friendships and lives that you share. You know, just like you guys knowing yourselves and knowing each other through your lives like this and doing this show, there's there's you and, and then there's then Wayne or Wayne and then there's Ben and then there's a third thing and that's the story you guys have between you, uh, which makes for a kind of chemistry, right? Um, I think that's true in music as well, you know, yeah. um, and that's uh, for speaking, you know, back to what you were asking, Nielsen, like what took so long, you know, life did happen. But you start to realize that those deep and meaningful relationships are the important ones. Um, regardless of the outcome of your efforts regardless of the outcome of your efforts it's those friendships that matter and chemistry and and a kind of ignition through creativity or humor or a shared story is is, is powerful stuff just in the personal you know
0: yeah. yeah and you can and you can tell that through your through your music as well
2: i have a real affection for nielsen you know he he it's a funny thing and i'm sure you guys have this in your relationship there's there's things Wayne's good at that Ben's not, and there's things Ben's good at that Wayne's not. And when you have a good relationship, you don't try and impose on 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 the strengths of the other. You 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 welcome them, and you're you're impressed by them. Um, that, I think that's beautiful.
0: I mean, I do want him to like speak more during the interview portion of the podcast <laughs> instead of waiting until the album analysis. It's not gonna happen. But
1: you're you're too good at it. Yeah, I'd be stepping all over. <laughs> see, my see, he's he's, right he's, he's there. He honoring he's, right
2: there. he's honoring your strengths, Ben. I can tell by no, the look on his face. We can that see that him is
0: panic yeah. on his on his face every time every time I've brought up. I'm like, hey, I think I'm going <laughs> to take this week off. Do you you want to slide into my into my uh, my my hosting chair? And he's like, um, we can put off that episode for another week. It's cool. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 Nielsen. I yeah. did spend some time listening to your album as well. So, um, digging up the scars, which is um, that just came out, well, yeah, recently, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, a couple months ago. Yeah.
0: So, I guess I should ask you the same question. So, do do you write any happy songs? According to Matthew, all of his are are happy. Um, are Are all of your songs happy as well? <laughs>
3: um yeah I think like I agree with ryan and I think Ryan gets a bad rap man I think a lot of his songs are way happier than people realize um i I think kind of in the tom waits way like there's i think the backdrop is a little dark sometimes but I feel like there's always like this beauty in the center of it you know and I think that's really what both of us are going after in in our in our collective art and in in our even in our solo stuff is as a, as a is a beauty, you know, and and a, and hopefully a truth of some sort, and that usually has a duality to it. It's not always, it's not always going to be like, oh, this is happy or sad. I don't even know how to like look at it that way. I don't personally. I don't. I think it's just more about um, because I mean, like you were saying, hope is a love song. That's an interesting one. Um, I know I'm kind of I'm supposed to be answering about. My own personal, but it, we're, I guess I'm trying to fit this all in. That's cool. But hope is a love song. That that's a, an interesting song because it's 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 something we were trying to write and work on, and we had some so much of that song probably 10 years ago. Like I mean, it was almost 10 years ago when we were starting that song, but something wasn't something was rubbing wrong, and it, I think the rub probably has more to do with like just where we both were individually, like personally. And then, cause once we like got into the studio again and started down this road of French, our friend, you know, rekindling our friendship as we realized we're in the same place. So much of this album, I think my albums are the same way. I think mine's are, are stripping away what we don't want there. I mean, that's like the way I look at photography and I do a lot of film stuff the same way. It's like, you know, everything I, we always Ryan and I talk about this is everything is composition. What is, yeah. what is it like that I don't want in this, in the scene or in this, in this audio space. And I think that song, all of a sudden, once we uh, approach that album or those that EP that way, we were pulling everything away. And, you know, and there, I mean, to me, there is joy in that music, you know, because it's beautiful in that, you know, what we're shooting for. And the same, I think the same way about my own stuff. I mean, that's probably a long winded answer to all that. Cause I, I don't really, you know, cause I think rhythm can make you feel good and feel happy. You know, even with lyrics, you know, the Smiths were a band like that forever or even the cure. Well, I guess that stuff was like always, <laughs> always sad, but like, I don't know. I think it's, um, I think that's kind of like trying to bridge all of it together. I don't know if it even answers any of it, but
2: I think, if I can say, Nielsen, I think I think a lot of like useful art, whether it's a photograph or a painting, I, I, or, or a novel or a song, is 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 kind of ruminating on the distance between how things are and how things could be, and I, so I think that that's you know, I think that that's where you know what what might be received as melancholy or sadness is is actually useful because it is a constant part of our experience that distance and the distance we're trying to close and, 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 and a song is almost like the muscle of, of that. It's almost like the legs running towards, you know? Um, I, I, I don't know that there's much use in delusion, you know? Um, I do understand, you know, like Prince, like raspberry beret is amazing, is amazing, you know? Yeah. Yep. Uh, um and it does make you feel good. And I understand like that, that that is an experience um for some people, but it takes a rare talent to to write and record and sing convincingly uh something like raspberry beret or signed sealed delivered. Um you know, that that that's a that takes a unique kind of talent. Yeah. We can't all be Stevie Wonder, you know.
3: No, no. <laughs>
2: there's, there's,
0: there's only one. There's, there's only one. one.
2: There's only one. There's
0: only one, and there's only one prince as yeah. well. So yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I didn't mean to step over that, Nielsen, but but I like I, no, like yeah. I, what, what I when I was listening. Yeah, when I was listening to you, that's what I what I was hearing. Like is like, like that's where it's useful, you know. God, you don't want to just be singing a, di- a, a a sad diary. That's not what it's. That's not the intent.
3: Well, I mean, I think a lot of that. I mean, it's like we even talk about this stuff all the time with like weights. I mean. Like, or all of them do it. I mean, everybody does it in a different way. Prine, you know, like, there's always this, like, Prine had that thing of humor and, and, and sadness, like, he'd make you, like, destroy you and make you laugh in, like, you know, yeah. one sentence. But his, it was always that perspective for him of, like, seeing, you always kind of get the sense it's like a little kid looking around the corner seeing something. And that always brings his sadness to something because it's so true and it's so unfiltered which is what his stuff was. And then like weights, you listen to that and it always feels like there's some sense of regret or, or not even regret, but a f- sense of like you feel the weight of, of the living, like of what you've lived and like like that you always feel the cost of what, something. Yeah, like. right, 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 right. And so right. that always, but there's still something beautiful because even though, hey, you're scarred up, you're still alive. Like you said, you're still alive and you still felt those things and you still mm-hmm. Or breathing, So I don't know. That's a happy ending, I guess, you know, in the, in, in, in the fact that, you know, you're still standing. Yeah. So I don't know. I lo- I love, I love all that stuff. <laughs> I, I, absolutely.
0: Yeah. It always seems like every time I've got you on here, Matthew, that we kind of go philosophical and go deep. Cause I know we spent like an hour last time just talking about the state of the music industry. We, we probably and we probably could have we probably could have um not even done the analysis on Bash and Pop. We probably could've spent
2: two hours just talking about that. So Well clearly it was time well spent because it's gotten so much better <laughs> since Ben. We we did our job. Fantastic.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> It's, it's gotten so much better. Um, so, so I did want to. I did want to uh, address one of one of the things that we kind of talked about, and and you kind of have followed suit on this. Is you you kind of uh, went away from social media for a while.
2: I am. Uh, yeah, I think it's destructive. I think it's absolutely destructive. Do you feel like it
0: has um, helped your? Your, your your psyche helped your just your overall happiness
2: um i it is uh, i i don't know if any I, I feel like i made up this phrase but maybe somebody else has said this before and maybe i heard it but i feel a like somebody within myself that i thought was gone is actually very much alive and well okay um preoccupation the constant flood uh, is is destructive um, you can't like Cohen said you know we, we, we can 't keep track of each fallen robin um, you, you just can't and I think it's it's sad and hard and 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 not every robin is worth keeping track of you know yeah. Yeah. Um, but i 'll also say that the phrase I was going to use is that I feel that i 'm reclaiming my proximity of joy. And it is absolutely a beautiful experience. It's a hard experience as well, um, but it's also been a beautiful experience. And I would strongly suggest, um, at least for me, and, and we're all old enough to have known the world before this. Yeah, uh, we, we see the changes. What you have to understand is generations behind us, this is the only world they know. And it, we have to start to reject some of this. We have to. I, I, it's the only tool we've ever created that crawls inside of our spirit and mind. And, uh, and we should be very careful with it. That's That's all I'll yeah. say.
0: So, so knowing that a lot of the promotion that artists do these days is on social media, do you feel like are, are you still staying connected with your fans the, the the listeners of your music considering that you're you're not active on the socials right now
2: well what's going to happen is what's going to happen and I've, I've come to peace with that okay um, the most important communication I can have with an audience is giving them beautiful music and 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 the way that I look at it is, is that all I need to do is to let them know Um I'm very grateful for the the people that continue to welcome my work in a, in a meaningful way. And I do, I send emails intermittently (laughs) and I try and respond to everybody who reaches out to me, um, which I, uh, you know, I can't always get to everybody, but I try to. Um, But I have no interest in um, entertaining the, uh, the, how do you put it?
0: I, I get a sense from you that you are more, you're more, the way that you would rather connect with people is that one on one connection, like the correspondence over an email, as opposed to throwing something on the socials and seeing how many people are going to engage with it.
2: Well, I think that within myself, I saw the embattlement of my own, uh, my own sense of heroism. Um, because, because we all want, we all want hopefully to contribute something good and we all want to try and be reasonable and we all want to try and, um, comfort, but we cannot be all things for all people. You know, that's been said, uh, several times, you know, uh, through history and, uh, the internet kind of, uh, rewards certain behaviors and certain uh, certain forms of heroism
0: <laughs> yeah, so so how do you pick the which robins you're going to save, Matthew?
2: I think that that's where the proximity of joy comes in. yeah yeah, the, you know whole thing about uh, you know,, I don't know, it can get it can get really this can get this can turn into one platitude after another, you know. Um, but all the information we need is not actually, the internet's not actually necessary. Um, yeah. you know, we can, we can know what's going on in the world and we can have thoughts and we can have desires, um, for, you know, uh, things like, a, you know, a quality of opportunity and inclusion, these types of things. Uh, I'm not sure that, you know, the town square is necessarily the place, uh, the virtual town square is the place to try and settle those scores. Um, and anyways, that's not, you know, just personally, you know, like I've already tried to say, the most important communication I can have with somebody that is interested is via a song, a new song, uh, and the song after that, you know. And so by withdrawing from that, I'm well aware that, you know, my career will atrophy. It, it, it has already started to. Um, but I would much rather not participate and be happier than to participate and be miserable. You know? Amen.
0: Nielsen, what's your what are your your thoughts on social media? Are you active at all from a artist perspective there?
3: Um, a little bit. Not not a lot. Um and I have a wife who's a couple of years younger and she helps like do that <laughs> stuff. I mean I, I, I it's funny that listening to Ryan talk about it. I I know that like even making that EP was part of like his journey to getting to this, that first song on that album is I walked away is a lot about this, about the leaving the self-destruction. And, you know, my only response to all this stuff is like, you know, I mean, we've got so much going on. I mean, like with what the last year has been and what, what we're forced to, I don't think we have the ability as humans to calculate the amount of emotion that we're supposed to calculate every day, like like you can't, it's not doable. It's not. It's not natural. We all, like Ryan said, we come from a. We all come from a time where it was analog. It wasn't like this. Um, I think there can still be some things good, um, and just getting out things, letting people know your work, that's great. But I would be. I'm as happy. I feel more connected to myself and to, um, what my, like, I guess role is in the world when I'm out going and meeting someone in the Delta and taking a photograph of them and I have an inter an exchange because there's intimacy. And that's really my only response. I we've talked about that is like, I, I, the intimacy is really the only response I have to any of it because I think that's what we're absolutely. I think that's the thing that we're, we're saying we can have in that other way. And we don't, that's the lie is there is no intimacy. So you have to like, find that, you know, we all come from a world where that did exist. Like, and I don't mean to try to turn into a science fiction novel here, but like, you know, it it is, I think that's important. And that's my, that's going to be my response. However I can make that happen is intimacy
2: that's the thing like with Nielsen, just to build upon what you're saying there, man,
3: like right now
2: we're using this as the tool that it is intended to be. This is, this is what, this is the tool it's intended to be. But the, the, the notion that our lives are brands and that our, our, our images are, are expressions of a brand. And then what that does to the spirit and the soul, what it does to people's behavior, what it does to intimacy, what it ultimately does to intimacy is fucked up. Oh, sorry. We're PG-13. Good.
0: I told you if you're passionate about something, go for it. So,
2: But like yeah. Nielsen just – like we've had this con- – Nielsen and I have talked about this for hours. And, and do I feel that I betrayed myself on there by participating? I didn't. Like I, It's not like I became something that I wasn't. Yeah. What happened was I could not keep track of every single thing that was required of me. And it turns into a kind of dislocation. It turns into a kind of spiritual turmoil, and and also the amount of judgment that goes on there, on there, you know, uh, the cruelty that, that people exact on each other, uh, and then on top of that, the the what what it was clearly during the elections, um, some psychological warfare. Um, it is a very very dangerous thing. We are using it right now as intended. It is a t- not. It is, you cannot live through that thing. And I could go on and on about studies that are going on about younger generations and what's going on, and it's really, really, really worrisome. Uh, because we are more than what we consume. Our data is important. It amounts to our privacy. It is a bigger issue than just four old guys sitting here complaining about the damn internet. <laughs> yeah. And the, like I said, younger people don't know. Even older people on Facebook, people in their 70s that are desperate for a sense of community, they don't know what they're giving up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And these corporations should be ashamed of themselves. There has to be some sense of morality. I don't want to participate in it. And Nielsen, and it is about intimacy. And we're not, old, we're not just old grumbling guys. You know, there was something about going into a record store and looking people in the eye. You know, we're going into a bookstore and looking people in the eye or ha- going to a coffee shop where people are talking to each other yeah. rather than on a screen, isolated together. It is so you want to talk about sad. That's sad. Our songs aren't sad. That's sad. <laughs> They're really missing out on some beautiful things. Yeah. Yeah. That screen is bullshit. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like an old man yelling at the sky. <laughs> You know, but it's like, it's really upsetting because think about it, Ben. Think about it, Wayne. Look at the changes you guys have seen. We've seen them. Yeah. We're talking in 15 years how much things have changed. 20 years.
3: It's really upsetting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, too, we're getting to a place like, I don't think it's all old man, get off my lawn, like screaming at the sky. Because, I mean, look, I mean, you know, I I didn't have computers growing up i didn't even have them until i was in my late 20s but now now it's like i operate like i have seven of them to operate all the the different like you know it's like i looked around the other day i'm like oh my god i mean it's not like we're not adjusting or it's not like we're not like evolving to 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 do this so i think that we can make a can make a coherent point that's like hey i i've seen what the world looked like before i see what it is now i'm not and i'm not I think the amount of work you can do is unbelievable. Like like you said, as a tool, it's it's insane. I mean, it's, you know, like... It's all what it is, man. What, what we can do with recording, video, like, the, the, like a day in the app like with an Avid, back, you know, 20 years ago, that's like 10, you know, it's five grand or something. You know, now you, you have a computer with a, a, a program that can... Do every bit of that, you know, and it's, you know, it's $30 a month, you know, for an Adobe, like, like subscription. So, I mean, and then there's beauty in that and there's some kid like in Kansas that can make a record that'll blow your mind and that's beautiful. So it's just, it's always about like how you, again, how you use it and like the fact that we're, the fact that like what you said earlier, somebody said it earlier of like the fact that we grew up long enough that all this is an add-on for our lives. Like this thing is an add-on for us. So we can understand it as an add-on. But like, when you start talking about kids, you know, I mean, heck, I got a four-year-old, like I'm freaked out of like, how is it going to be where you don't, this becomes like, you don't understand the difference between what is like actually like, is this real or is this avatar thing out here? And we're getting, it's getting blurry. I'm not saying we're not in, it's not Minority Report yet, but it's just like, it's, you know. Right, right. We're getting into some strange stuff.
2: We really are. We really are. Isn't this exciting? There was a, you know, I, there's, I'm (laughs) not going to, some of the, some of the studies I've read are just so, so upsetting. It's, um, and I'm not going to get into them because it's, 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 uh. It just gets really dark, because it's beyond like like what Nielsen's saying is actually quite true. Um, uh, the the growing inability to actually navigate feelings, um, the epidemic of anxiety, yeah, um, uh, the way people are sexually acting out, and, and believe like, let, let me be very clear, I'm not this not about like the spectrum of sexuality and stuff, like the ways that people are being introduced to sex through. Uh, to sexuality through the internet. I got a mosquito in here. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> um anyways, you can like that that's why I didn't want to talk about it because it gets really weird. Like some of these studies are I they're know, fascinating.
0: I'm sorry, I poked I poked that bear.
2: I, <laughs> I, I apologize because it, it's 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 something I get so upset about that I get it turns into fucking jazz. You know? Um, because it doesn't need to be this way. It is only a tool. It's all it is, and it should, be, it should be enhancing our experience, not compromising and extracting from us. And that's wh- where it gets really, really, really... It seems irresistible sometimes for man to take it all the way to the limit before they, before they realize, hey, maybe we shouldn't go this far. Men and women.
3: Absolutely certain that we party like it's 1999 come on baby put your little hand in mine The skies are clear again and like you said was always only a matter of Like
0: I don't even know how to segue into talking about <laughs> YouTube. Usually there, usually there's a good like. Okay, that's that's a good break. Let's let's go to the album analysis. I don't even. I think
2: actually it's perfect, Ben. Let me help you. Actually, yes. Okay, help help me out. Nielsen and I talked about this the other day. You know what's special about this record? It's about mystery. It's about uncertainty and leaning into it and not trying, not trying to make an algorithm of perfect rock but believing that a beautiful rock and roll record like you've never heard before is possible. Okay. Okay. And then our experience, that is the problem right now. We deal in too much what we think is certainty and it's actually limiting us. And um, I think it's, I think that's the segue because it's such a remarkable record. And, and like Nielsen and I were talking before getting ready to talk to you guys, records like this are so rarely made. These days, it's very rare that something is dealing uncertainty. Uncertainty, you know, um, and that's that sounds. It's not as vague as it may sound.
0: All right. Well, tell tell us what record you guys chose to revisit for your episode. Go ahead, Neil. You take it.
3: <laughs> you two, Unforgettable Fire.
0: Fourth. This is the fourth studio album from You Two. You you already mentioned about the. Kind of going going beyond what they already have experienced. I love War, oh. but it is a very different record than what u two is going to explore in the next several mm-hmm. records.
1: Yeah, and and so it's funny is when I I never got super into this record, um, and when I first listened to it the first time a couple you know a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't know, something's not connecting. And I had read, first thing I always do for research is read the Wikipedia page. And it said that, you know, Bono had made a comment about, you know, we could have continued on and, and been the next Led Zeppelin. And I got fixated on his example, because I think it was a poor example. They're not to me, I just kept getting fixated on how different they are from Led Zeppelin, like Led Zeppelin, I don't think has a political song. Not that I love Led Zeppelin, but they never wrote anything political. What the the Lemon Song's not yeah. political. So once I got past that, sure. and what I did was anyway is went back and started from the beginning and listened to Boy and October and War, and and saw that progression of these, you know, angsty young men from Ireland getting better and better and better, still being angry, still having that 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 political fire, but getting better at it and honing it on war to. So razor sharp, and then saying, "We don't. We want to do something different." They could have continued to work with Steve Lillywhite and made another album, and it probably would have been even better. But they said, "Fuck this. We want it. We want to do something different. We want to do something more. Um, We want to do it different. We don't want to just keep going on this way." And they they scrapped everything and and got two. You know, they were going for Brian Eno, but he luckily drugged Daniel Lanois with him, and this to me they still would have made uh joshua tree and they would have made octung baby but this jumped the timeline and they and they went into the future and who knows what records would have been in between if they would have stayed that way but they took us into the next level and they to me the band that they they are very similar to is the rolling stones because They started, you know, with, you know, not from a different scene. This there was was more the Clash and the Sex Pistols that inspired them to be, uh, you know, in getting rock and roll and to get into music where it was the Rolling Stones just covered Chuck Berry songs for the first two albums. And there's no shame in that. But they became the biggest (laughs) bands in the world for a reason. And even today, like I was thinking about A Bigger Bang, A Bigger Bang is not the best Rolling Stones album by far. But it was one of the best albums of 2005. They're, and the same thing with you 2 They'll make an album, and it won't be as good as War or Joshua Tree. But I bet you it'll be one of the best albums that, that anybody puts out that year.
0: Could you imagine yeah. if they didn't get Eno and Lanois, though? I mean, you guys saw who some of the other producers that they thought about were, right?
1: Yeah, it. it I can say. I, they would have been... Great, but it wouldn't have been like this. They wouldn't yeah. have been this great. They, like I say, they trans they they transported into the future.
0: So some of the other selections. So Rhett Davies, who did a lot of work with Roxy Music, that might have been this might have been a very interesting album. I love Roxy Music, um, but it's it's a different feel, uh, for sure. Um, they also were looking at Connie Plank, who. Worked with a lot of uh, electronic type bands, so Kraftwerk and Ultravox, and then they were also looking at Jimmy Iovine, which, you know, he had produced under Blood Red Sky for them, and I think he thought that he was a shoe in for the this production job. I don't know if you guys had read any of, no. any of
1: that info. Yeah, I read he was no, in mean, studio it, time. Really? Yeah, I think he thought he had. It. I yeah, I I read something about it. he had Shelly Yakis out. Yeah,
3: already starting working. Mm. It. Well, I mean the arc of the band. Yeah, it's it's impossible to even think about it any differently because of like those three records, like Joshua Tree, being the middle one, Octom Baby, just like that combination of of band where they were, like what you said, getting them to this place and then meeting or having those two guys come in to work with them. Like, it's just a perfect, like, you know, everybody landed at the at the right spot, you know, to make this like 10 year or whatever period for the band. And that's the, this is the opening. It's the opening to that portal. I mean, and we were, Ryan and I were talking I guess a couple of days ago, I mean, just hearing the opening track, like, I mean, I, you know, that, that record meant so much to me, like in high school, like, and I kind of came in through Joshua tree and went back. Cause it's like, I, I was in eighth grade and heard, you know, with or without you on the radio or something. And I was like, what the, right. you know, I'm a Mississippi kid. And I'm like, what is this? Went back, got into that record. So. It was so important to me then but going back and listening to it again a couple for the last couple weeks and listening on headphones and just being a producer I've worked on records for 20 years and I still listen to that opening track and I'm like I can't figure out who's playing what like I know like Eno's on that I know they're all playing all over the place and then Bono's vocal it's just so on fire in the sense of like it has all those elements you're talking about of like the angst the rage the the anger the but the beauty and just like this world that's created where you're like i almost got i was telling ryan i like when i feel like when i do like when i'm working on something or that i really believe in it and you you know that it's something that you could never create again. It's almost like a panic. Like it's like, there's something exciting about like when I listen back to it, like I'm like a sadness. Cause I'm like, this will never be revisited. And I almost felt that way again, listening to those songs, especially that opening track where it's like, this actually happened. And this was like, you know, a long time ago. And it still feels modern to me in a, in a crazy way. Like it still feels more modern than what people are putting out, you know, like, what, 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 like you said, what will come out this year? I still feel like that's going to feel more modern to me in some way. I mean, some of the stuff's dated. Obviously, everything has that in some way, but there is a, a ball of energy in that music on that opening track that just it blows my mind. Even now, like even as as all the records I've worked on in the last twenty years.
0: So you said you came back to this um, after discovering Joshua Tree. Matthew, what was your introduction
2: to this album? Um, I, You know, I think, uh, I mean, it's, I was thinking, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, because U2 is such a, like, a really big band for me. Um, and, of course, it's like um, growing up Irish in, in south of Philly and and, and what that meant back then, and then you got this band that's you know just badass and sounds kind of like a like a romantic spaceship coming down you know with some spit and fire in it you know um the first thing i I think the first thing I fell in love with it's hard to tell right because like at that time, I'm like in my early teens um the first record I bought was under a blood red sky because it's what I could afford, you know. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And um, a nice price. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it was it was amazing. You know, it was yeah. my my first introduction to them was like them, essentially live. Um, but then uh, you know, I fell deeply in love with that, and then as I could afford to, I bought everything. You know. And so this would probably put us right around the time when The Unforgettable Fire came out. And I was thinking about today when I was listening, and um, I can remember that video for Pride in the Name of Love uh, vividly, you know. Um, yep. They were such a visual band as well, which really, as, as, you know, as, as lovers of you two know, became really clear around Octone Baby and, and the Zoo TV tour. But there was something always so visual about them. So I, I guess uh, to answer long, 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 I do want to say, like, as far as, like, the details, like you guys were talking of, of potential producers, I've never really listened that way. Like, I'm still a, I'm still a fan of records, but I've never been, like, a liner note guy or a wiki guy or, you know, it's like, yeah. I, 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 that's, I start feeling out of my... Don't get me wrong. You guys should talk about that stuff, you know? Um, yeah. But, like, even Nielsen will tell you, as much as we've worked together, it's like, I... I Barely understand gear. Um, I'm like a friggin I'm like the uh, the the luggage ape, you know. Um, and I, you know, so it's like it, that stuff is interesting to me. But I, I had no in, no clear understanding of what you were talking about, even really. But well, uh, there's
0: no pedals on your board, is what you're saying. There's no pe- pedals on your board.
2: There's pedals, but I just stomp on them. Okay. I don't, I don't have any interest in. There's just- what.
3: There's just. Marking the where there's, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, under a blood red sky was my first introduction, and then I bought everything that was available at the time, and and, and like Nielsen, I'll, I'll never forget when uh, Joshua Tree came out. Again, it's it's funny how time moves, right? You know, it's like there was this I'd read recently that there are some some percentage of young people out there think that Abe Lincoln and John F. Kennedy were hanging out around the same time, you know that that's that happens man that's not a judgment that's not a judgment i mean you know that that happens time is time is weird anyway you know uh, particularly if you weren't there you know um but it's interesting to look back on you two now and uh listen like i've listened these last couple of weeks and just hearing that that wild romantic geez it's just it's desire you know um, you don't really quite understand it, but listen to the unforgettable fire is, is such it's to me, it's an incredibly romantic record. And I mean that in the, in the great stories, I don't mean that just as in romance, but I mean, in you know, uh, uh, pure, pure and good ambition, you know, yeah. um, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a beauty there that, um, I is, was, I found really refreshing uh, listening to it again because I don't think I'd listen to Unforgettable Fire all the way through in probably at least twenty years. Uh, but as a kid, it was it was just magic to me. Still magic.
0: It is absolutely yeah. all right. Um, well, let's dive into this. We'll go track by track. I did throw this out to the listeners to um, to to see if they wanted to score this at home as well. So I do have uh, about 10, 10 of our listeners who scored this. So we'll talk about their their scores as well. Here's what's interesting. So I, you know, I get to see all of the scores in advance, and I don't tell you guys um, in advance what all of our scores are. This is interesting. There are five different songs on this record that the listeners and you guys scored as tens <laughs> five five different songs, which just I think that that tells you the story of how remarkable yeah. this record is and how and how people consume this record in different ways that there are that many songs that people go that's my favorite so I think that that's a, that 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 speaks volumes for how um how valuable this this record is to, to all of us listeners. All right. Um, as a reminder, our scoring is going to be based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on Unforgettable Fire?
1: Perfect 10. The perfect
0: 10, which means our top song is going to get 10 points. Next favorite, 9 on down to lowest score of 1. Did you guys notice the the, the, the glee on Wayne's face when he said 10? It's just the
1: perfect number d- for, for a record.
0: He purposely backed out of an episode because I was going to score a record <laughs> of 18 songs. So uh,
1: I didn't back Wayne, out. I was I'm never, with you, and, buddy. I was never going to do that.
0: All right. Well, anyways, that George Harrison record is fantastic, by the way, Wayne. So one of these days, maybe you want to listen and to I'll it. And I'll never know. All right. Uh, let's kick this off. Uh, a Sword of Homecoming is the first song. And I'm assuming, Matthew, you that you also had Wide Awake I did, in yeah. America, the EP. Yep.
2: I think that was probably the second one I could yeah. afford.
0: <laughs> I, I did that was the third one that I bought. So I did buy Under yeah. Blood Red Sky first, then this, then, yeah. then Wide Awake. And we'll we'll talk about the other song off yeah. this album that's on Wide Awake. According to one thing that I read, so Bono's vocals for this song were re-recorded at the last minute. Bono said that he wanted to do another take of his vocals. And I think it was, Wayne, cor- correct me, you may have read the same, the, the, the same story, but uh, he was supposed to be going to the airport. And Lanois basically allowed Bono to do one more take. And this is the last take of that.
1: Yeah, I didn't I I had read that this was done last second. Yeah. This this take. This is and to me this is a this is the perfect song to open this with. I know, you know, like I had read they wanted to they wanted a new beginning, which a uh, uh, sort of a homecoming, uh start, you know, coming back and tr- and starting all over again type of thing. So it's it's very poetic in that nature and I know Bono was reading tons of poetry and really wanted to incorporate that in his lyrics more and and he and he, and he absolutely, the images he creates in this are so just like, brilliant. Like the, that opening verse has a very, uh, you know, Irish funeral, like crossing these, you know, this dark gray day on the, the green grass to the graveside. Um, and of course, religiously, um, a death would be a sort of homecoming. Uh, and then the second verse has this has this great um, like returning the the conquering heroes kind of you know, it reminded me of the liberation of France, how they had been um, under occupation in these cities and then you know, the Americans, the Allied forces retake it and and you know, it's a sort of homecoming. And then like I say the the, the third verse has a very nuclear winter. Um, I think the line with the wind will crack in winter time, the bombs blast lightning. Waltz, No Words Spoken, Just a Scream. He was, there was obviously in the mid 80s, there's a lot of uh, nuclear proliferation and uh, he he has a couple of other songs about that already and yeah. he adds that in at the end. And like I say, a new beginning, obviously, if, if everything is, if virtually, if nearly everything is destroyed, you'll have a chance to start Civilization again.
2: Jeez, Wayne.
1: I'm out, that's all I got. Killing it. Yeah, what are we supposed yeah, to say to that? Yeah, what Wayne said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you were talking about strength, so I guess that's, yeah, that's
2: beautiful. That's mine. Beautiful, man.
1: That guitar, that guitar is just like, come on, everybody,
2: come on. You know, it's just it's it just immediately brings you in. It's it's that's beautiful.
0: Nielsen, what do you got on this on this song? The number?
3: I've got an eight on this one. The number eight. Okay.
0: Why is this track so high for you?
3: Well, I mean, you you also reference the the live version of it because it's on it's on the live version, I think, right on the Wide Awake in America.
0: And yeah, yeah, it's yep.
3: I mean, uh, we we always use a um, term with my video partner called like rage. Are you raging? Like that's in this song is raging. It has rage all over the place. And that's like, I'm so glad that knowing that he did do that last vocal take for the song because I mean, but when it gets to the end of the song, it's just like, it's just like, it's like Ryan called it desire. I'll call it rage. I mean, there's just, it's, it's so on fire and passionate and like you can tell there's nothing more than them wanting to emote in the most like, honest way that they can and and bringing in all the, the the things you're saying Wayne with what what they were talking about I mean there's mystery in the lyric there's mystery like it doesn't lay it out for you completely so you could probably interpret it all these like slightly different ways and I know there's like a lot of spirituality in in the in Bono and in the lyric writing as well so there's just this there's mystery and passion in, in every bit of it. And it's just creating something brand new that like, like I said, it still sounds brand new to me now in a weird way. And I yes. know back in 1984,
0: it doesn't sound know, dated.
3: No, like, you know, even when, but I mean, imagine that, you know, I mean, that's that coming out after those, those albums that had preceded it, you know, and if you're waiting for that band to put out the next record, I mean, it's, that's pretty, that's pretty intense. So yeah, that's why I mean to me it's just an incredible opener. So it's like, that's why it's way high for me.
0: Excellent, Wayne. Your score?
1: Also an eight. Like I say, this one musically you can you can hear the building blocks to Joshua Tree. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a bit of a departure from what from War, especially. Yep.
2: I gave it a nine. I, I just think it's it's like a it's a it is. Every person that ever wants to make an album, uh, if you want to know what an opener sounds like, a sort of homecoming is what an opener sounds like.
0: All right, this is my six um let's go to let's go look at the listener score. So I do have three people from the listeners who scored this as their highest, so Tom Nierberg, uh, Bud Verge, and our buddy John Lamero all had this as their tens. Uh, John even mentioned he said. Sort of Homecoming is my favorite U2 song tied with Surrender from War. And um, so it scored um, scored really high for, for the listeners. Uh, Darren gave it a nine. Darren, Darren Hyde gave it a nine. Dave Greenberg, eight. Mark Neese, eight. Carly Anderson, eight. And um, a, couple, a couple other people gave it a seven. Kevin Peters gave it a five, so I don't feel bad for my six. Score. Um, So there we go. Alright, next song is Pride in the Name of
3: Love. (laughs)
0: And this was of course, the single the uh, the 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 first single off of the record uh released back in September of 1984. do you guys realize that this song this song only peaked at number thirty three on the billboard Hot 100 Wow now it was a hit on the rock rock track chart when I guess they had a a chart of that magnitude uh peaked at number two in the u s on the on the rock chart, on the pop chart, not so much. Like I mentioned, it did peak at number three in the UK. And um, I'll talk about the other single that's on this on this record as well. Uh, one thing that I learned this week that I had not a clue of before, and I feel ashamed that I didn't know this. Do you know who sings back backing vocals on this?
3: No, I don't.
0: Maybe you guys don't know it either. Chrissy Heine of the Pretend...
2: I was going to guess that. That's oh. exactly what I was going to guess.
0: So she is credited in the liner notes as Christine Kerr because she was married to Jim Kerr of Simple Minds at the time. Oh. had no idea. Um, there we go. <laughs> Me
1: neither.
0: Um, Makes sense. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the video The video was on all the time on MTV back in the day. Yeah. Um, Yeah, who wants to get this started?
2: Well, I mean, Wayne may as well throw Uh, it down like he did last time.
1: Come (laughs) on. So I didn't want the the big hit classic to be my favorite song. I didn't want it to get my top score, but this is such a good... I mean, it's such a succinct and earnest tribute to one of the uh, greatest figures, you know, most important figures of the 20th century. And the... Sonically, it also fits much more. It has a, a much similar sound to something that would have been on War, but and it's just filled with all. It's it's got a great uh, kind of format to it, the way the 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 form of the song. But the the two parts that have always stuck out to me in these really in this wonderful song is Betrayed by a Kiss because that has a very Judas connotation, which For sure. would it imply would which would at least you know. Jesus um, comparisons and the Savior. I mean that those are appropriate, but the the the, the Judas has always to me felt like the the society. And I w- I'll say we, even though I wasn't born when he was assassinated, but we all he we you know he's he's got a, a holiday, um, and all of the you know uh, King County in in Washington completely scrapped whoever they were named for and and changed it to um, Martin Luther King Jr one but but where were they in 1966 1967 so society betrayed him by not by not joining in and not supporting uh the cause and the other is the end where it's free at last they took your life they could not take your pride so you get he puts that that one quick quote from that from his I have a dream speech in there uh and then and then and then the remark that it, that that wasn't the end of it just like just like another Jesus comparison, they they crucified him and killed him, and he became even stronger eventually and more important. Yeah, yeah. All right,
0: you guys aren't off the hook, Matthew and Nielsen. Just because Wayne gave that great analysis. I know. All right, what, what 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 do you got?
2: I love that it's provoking. It, it was it was profound to me then. It, it's profound to me now, um, and it, it's. And to kind of build on what Wayne is saying there, it is a, it's a constant part of the human condition, that, that struggle, uh, between dark and light, you know? Um, and I think that, uh, something about the earnestness and the unguardedness of, uh, not just musically, but of, of Bono's voice and, and the words and the, and the, the clarity of provocation towards a better selves. That still fires me up. That there's, there, is, there is, you know, it's one thing to write something that beautiful. It's another thing for music itself to be able to make you feel that. To make you feel that you want to be on the right side of things you know um and that is that that period of their work does that over and over and over again um it, it, even just down to just the uh again it, it that it works both musically spiritually language the voice it's a band it's a band with uh just full of conviction you know i love the song i love it i, I, I I ranked it fairly low but the truth is is like with the exception of the um instrumentals I pretty much think every song on here is a 10 you know I only I only put the numbers on there just to play long you know um <laughs> I love that kind of idealism and and I think that idealism is important um particularly when there is when there is the repercussions of oppression and ugliness, all around. You have got to insist upon these kind of ideas. And I love the fact that they that they not only did it, they did it powerfully. I, I think one of their one of their quotes, I, I believe Bono has said this, is that they're militant about hope. You know, um, yeah. Which I think is a very kind of um, that's a useful part of, of Christianity, as far as like as I can tell. You know. Because uh, I believe he is a Christian. He was you know, that is a really useful idea to be to be militant about hope, um, and all that that means. Because I don't think you can just be hopeful about one thing. You have to be. If you're hopeful, you're hopeful about everything. And that song sounds that way to me. So, what do you think,
3: Nielsen? <laughs> <laughs> How am I supposed to like? What can I add to any of this stuff? I mean, I had I it a little lower only because of. I think it is a song that sonically sounds like you were saying, it maybe fits a little more on the previous album. And like the, the ones that I love the most, they drown me in a feeling and the, like there's the, kind of the impression of what that, the coloring of the, of the record. Um, I love, I mean, the song though, again, it's like the same way you're saying. I mean, it's a 10. I mean, I don't know how it's not a 10 because it's, I mean, that's the kind of song to me, like, when you hear that vocal performance, you don't even have to know what the song's about. And you want to be in a band and you want to sing. Like, if you hear that, you're like, yeah, I want to do that. Like, I want to be in a band, like, when I hear that song. I mean, that's what we were covering when we were in ninth grade, you know, when we had a crappy band. It's like, we're, we're going to play that song because that's what you do. And so, I mean, I don't know what else, you know, other, what's what's a better Way to s- say about a song. It's like when you got a bunch of horrible kids trying to cover it. <laughs> it's like <I> don't know.
2: <laughs> the first song I ever learned on guitar was bad. Yeah, that's a true story. There you go. Yeah. There. Yep. Yeah. It it, it took completely immediately threw me over to the guitar. Yeah. This this record uh, really did that. You're at, so right, Nielsen. It's so weird because it's not attainable. Like, wow. the edge sounds like a spaceship. I know. And you're like, I want to do that.
3: <laughs> you need about, like, six feet <laughs> in time <laughs> to You get that delay algorithm. Yeah. Right. All right,
1: so scores, Wayne, your score? This, this is my top score. It's right. just uh, I had such a powerful song. Matthew, your score?
2: I gave it a four, but I don't really mean that. They're all tens to me, honestly, on this record. I mean yeah. it. I, I'm not just saying it. Yeah,
0: this is my five. Nielsen, your score? Six. All right. So going over to the listener scores, we do have a couple tens over here. Chris McNulty and Darren Hyde um, also gave gave their tens to this song. Uh, number of people gave nines. Kevin Peters, Dave Greenberg, Mark Neese, Carly Anderson. Um, so this, this also tracked really high on the listener scores. Even with our low scores, it's still going to be in our top five, so it's, it's it's all good. It's all good. All right, next song, <laughs> next song is Wire. This is probably my only critique on this on this record the sequencing I don't know how you get to wire from from uh, Pride I don't know do you do you guys are you guys okay with the sequencing of of this album
2: I think it's a reclamation that they're they're insisting that they're changing like I think in some ways Pride was like a a kind of peace offering and then it's like but now you gotta deal with this
0: yeah okay (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I can see that one.
3: They even sneak it in on you with that fade in of the electric. Yeah, yep, yep,
0: yep, yeah. yeah. The first time I ever marinated on the lyrics for this was was this week. Um, I really love the lyrics on this one, and kind of kind of caught me by surprise. Because um, usually, usually, it's Wayne that's the, the the lyrical guy of of this duo. I do love lyrics, don't get me wrong, but um, I'm going to guess, Wayne, that um, you you uh, you marinated on these these lyrics as well.
1: Um, well, some of them, it seems, like I say, for a guy who's never been associated with heroin, he sure writes a lot of songs about heroin. Because this is, I mean, even towards the end, he mentions uh, tracks and dope, and there's um, The Longest Sleep. There's a lot of parts in here that that had a very addiction feel at least, if not heroin. Uh,
0: yeah. But I also think it's a, it's an awareness of the addiction of, of drugs. It's not one that's like glorifying it. Cause you know, the no, last, I, I the don't last think he's ever lyrics, written
1: a song that glorified yeah. it. There's a song, like I say, we'll get to a song on here that was like from his, he's made it. He's said that it's about heroin. Um, yeah. There was the one on Joshua tree, uh, is it running, yeah, running still, running still. Um, about it? So it's, uh, but there was lines in here that, like I say, especially towards the end when he re- mentions dope. And then there is a line about track, which always, like I can say, well, that's how I much go.
0: of that is where he grew up. Cause like I, I always think of, I always think of Hemingway when, whenever I'm thinking about, you know, writing Hemingway said, write, write what you know and so if you're yeah. if you're around a culture where there's a lot of of yeah. dope dope addicts and you know you've got friends who are strung out how can you not write about yeah, and, that because that's what and you're like I say surrounded from when
1: by. they and from let's say they started in '76, I think '70, um, as a as had meet met each other. I mean, I've been reading "Please Kill Me," and and it feels like everyone in 1976 was on heroin.
0: Yeah. All right, Nielsen. What do, what do you got on this
3: one? Uh, I had a five, um, but I think it's just because it's only because like I have I love so many the songs on this record (laughs) i mean this one is one that like sits in between songs a little bit to me but um you know it's like but i like what ryan said about it the it is persistent and it's actually like i mean that is kind of that that guitar that starts it like it it is kind of the that is the edge like it's it's kind of the here it comes like that's what we're going to be dealing with for the next four albums, you know, or, or the rest of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. like The even tide has been found, the algorithm has been, <laughs> has been like found, you know, that, that quick delay thing, you know, of how he played that thing. So that's, and it's relentless. Like even that, like listening to that and it's like how you in that one song here, you in pride. And then it's like this thing just kind of, if you hear it coming like over the horizon, you know, it's amazing. And, I, and also, it sounds like Bono is like literally throwing up at the end of the song, which I love. He's so into it. He's just like, yeah. like, I mean, it's emotion.
0: Yeah, that that whole ending is just oh my gosh, yeah. so
3: good. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable.
0: All right. Uh, let's get scores. Uh, this is my Wait, wait, wait.
3: Oh, you want
2: to
0: you, you, you want to analyze? Can I
2: say something? Sure. Yeah. What the heck's what going, going on, on? Ben. <laughs> i i actually think it's a very generous song i think it's about i think it's that whole bit about the end he says i'm no dope i give you hope here's the rope here's the rope swing, swing away. away i love that man i think it's about rock and roll i don't think that song's about drugs i think that's about like elevation I th- And that's what it feels like it feels like pure adrenaline to me um i'm no dope i give you hope here's the rope here's the rope swing away that's beautiful. That is generosity. That is a generosity of spirit and energy. I, re- I really feel that way. That's all I wanted to say.
0: Okay. Sorry, Wayne. We I can was, take it to the, we can take it to the, the ring tra- if you want. I wasn't trying to silence
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. you. Um, <laughs> you, you canceling me, Ben? <laughs> no. You know, hey, here's the
0: deal when i have when I have four people on, it's always that did. I'm pretty sure I asked you to to, to talk, and I thought I.
2: No, don't worry about it. I'm just joking. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right. Um, what is your score, man? Oh,
2: go with Nielsen because it's inside.
3: <laughs> Nielsen, <laughs> your score. Uh, five.
0: All right. Wayne, your score. Uh, three. All right. <laughs> this is my four.
2: I gave it a um. Sorry, guys. Look, look, you know what's crazy? I gave it a I gave it a three, but it's actually a ten. Okay. All right.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, over at the over on the listener scores. So we do have a ten on the listener scores. So Kieran Flanagan, one of our listeners, gave it a ten. Um, Good. Didn't. Yeah. Didn't Didn't track super high. Most people gave it a five or fours. Tom Nierberg. Did give it an eight. Bud Verge gave it a seven. So there were a couple couple higher scores on this. All right, next song is second single off the record. This is Unforgettable Fire. and i already made mention that you know pride didn't really hit too too high on the us charts this didn't chart at all in the us but it was a top 10 hit for the boys in the uk peaked at number 6 over there which again i it's kind of weird that this did not track at all over here in the states um i love this song they're there's a you know we keep we keep bringing up the 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 earnestness word i feel like there's an earnestness for this particular song as well and this of course is you've got some synthesizer going on with this that is i think that's edge playing some of the synthesizer parts again it's really hard to to tell because there's a lot of moving pieces to this but i know that he Started the arrangement of this on the synthesizer, and if I remember, Bono was playing the bass, so he came up with the bass line for this one. Cool. Maybe we shouldn't ask Wayne to analyze first, because then you know Nielsen feels um, don't
1: don't put don't put this on. Feels
0: like he can't compete. Maybe we should should we should we ask Nielsen first? Yeah. For some analysis on this, I think we're all agreeing. Nielsen, what do you got on Unforgettable Fire?
3: 10 I got a 10 on this one wow
0: why is this your 10 yeah
3: I mean this song represents to me like just because every time I hear it like when I want to hear when I want to play something from this record this is the song I go to It, it feels like the record like to me like I said like I used it earlier like it literally just drowns me in an emotion that I go back I can't and I Ryan and I were talking about this on some of the thing we were interviewing each other about, like I would never know, is it like that this, do I, I'm tr- it's so hard to like try to put it in words of how to say, but like did the music make us feel this way during that time? Or is it because of what we were that that music sounded like that? I can't ever tell the difference, but like this, when I hear it one way or the other, I'm like, tr- I'm literally transcended back to that place of like driving around you know because I listened to this record probably for four years like from the time I heard it like to like you know junior year in high school so um this one is always it, it hits it hits every spot for me emotionally you know I, I I mean I have a like I don't I haven't done you know too much reading on it in terms of like being able to like go through the lyrics and know know really what I'm talking about (laughs) other than like they have what they just had these things about them. And and this is one of those songs where it, they have these phrases that like will grab you out of, and they pull you into a thing and it's like, it puts you into your own world, like without really knowing, like, okay, I don't know all the background of it. But I mean, like I said earlier, that the band that I'm in with a guy named Ben Glover, who's from, He's from the northern part of Ireland. So there's a sense of like the, the way they have some of these chants. I mean, they had it in the first song and they have it in here where like there's different or chants of just like they repeated vocal lines and like knowing him, that's how he writes and sings and, and how, we, we t- how we kind of like collaborate and feel about music. So, yeah, this song always hits me perfectly.
0: So like the refrains of "Come on, take me away," he does it a number of times. Is that what you're talking about?
3: Come on, take me away. And it's like you know, it's yeah. And I'm like going back. I'm I'm breaking the rules. I'm going back to a, a previous song, but um, of like the, the the opening track. Like they have, "Oh, come away." Like they're they're, um, they always seem to have that stuff on this record, which I love. Yeah, The come on, take me away.
2: Matthew, what do you got on this one? Again, I mean, I just. I I love... This is my favorite song on the record, of of a record of favorites, you know? Again, it's just... There's this... There's this kind of danger and romance um, in it that I find really beautiful. Um, I think in some ways... um, I've always kind of admired Bono's... um, How do you put this? You can tell in some ways that he's a good human who wants to do good things, but is troubled by his own darkness. Um, which I think is, that's probably all of us if we're being honest, you know, but his, his ability to, again, it's, it's impressionistic. You don't get any real clear sense of what he's talking about, but you do understand what he's feeling. Um, and so it, it, it's, it's, I guess in some ways he's, he always seems like he's looking for deliverance or something, you know? And, and I think that that's,
0: I think for me, that's why I connect, I connect with Bono. Yeah. Is because, you know, I am, I am somebody that is trying to look for light, but I, I'm also aware of the darkness. I'm, I'm also aware of, of my own darkness with, within. And so there is that, I mean, to, to go back to the previous, previous song of, you know, wire, you know, I, I feel like I'm constantly walking on a, on, on that high wire of, you know, I could go either way. Like if I, if I lean one way I'm going to go light. If I lean the other way, I'm going to embrace that darkness.
2: I think that's, that's, I think it's the human condition, Ben, yeah. you know, yeah. I do. Yeah.
1: Wayne, what um, you got? But I had, I had read that it was inspired by the atomic bombs being dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And from that, and I, and I just read that because when you listen to it or read it, it doesn't, you wouldn't be able to, I don't think you'd be able to discern that from it. But it but there's right. lines in it and parts that it kind of goes through some of the emotions that would be I mean, like the fleet like every moment is fleeting. Like live every there's like that that carnival section. It has a very like don't don't waste life, like live it to the fullest, because it could be gone in a fraction of a second. But also the heaviness of yeah. the decision to do it, I mean there's there's lots of like he take I'm I believe that the quote that he took that that in that event and it inspired him to write a song not describing the event though um but to me the the part that drugged my score down was while i love bono's voice there's the it is the synthesizer that was it wasn't i wasn't accustomed to hearing it it that got very duran durani in, that, yes, one, in I was, that one part
0: yeah i was expecting Stabs. you not to like that and i was right <laughs> yeah yeah. All right, Wayne, your score on this one? A Five. All right. This is my eight. Looking over at the listener scores, um, nobody gave it a a a ten. We do have a couple nines. Chris McNulty, Tom Nierberg, uh gave it gave it nines. Uh, Bud Verge and Darren Hyde um, gave it gave it some eights. All right. Next song is "Promenade." Where's the promenade? Promenade. Promenade. How do you pronounce that?
1: Potato, patata. I don't. Yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I would say promenade. Put me down.
0: I'd like. Wayne, um, you would be proud of me. I didn't go to songmeetings.com for lyrical interpretation. Instead, I went to the U two interference website, and everyone, uh, everyone pretty much says it's about sex or consummating a marriage. But one person said it's about nuclear war, and then my favorite comment from one of the one of the users on there said. How many bands can you really get confused between nuclear bombs and sex? Gotta love you two for that. So there you go.
1: And you know what? I could see, I could see both that. I to me, um, me too. I had read uh, something, and also you don't, you don't necessarily have to read it, but the theme of the album was more uh, was America. And I mean, there's obviously Martin Luther King Jr., Elvis, uh, Fourth of July, uh, even the uh, The that's we're the country that. Dropped atomic bombs on Hirosh- Hiroshima and Nagasaki, so there is a a, a theme of America through this. And to me, so, I felt like this song had a half-hearted nature, which at the end I thought was possibly a commentary on 1984 America, um, which hasn't really improved much since then. Uh, but it does ha- it draws on a lot of those uh, of those American themes, especially. And then at the end, he just he just hands it to you with Coca-Cola and football and radio.
0: Yeah. He should have just included Ronald Reagan in that refrain at the end. So I think he was, and and it's pretty well documented that they were they were fixated on America. I mean Joshua Tree is I th- I think is a well documented, especially with um, what Bullet the Blue Sky, you know, with the refrain of in the arms of America, watch rattle and hum. That's that's definitely a a commentary on the U S Matthew, what do you got on promenade?
2: I, I just thought it was just almost like a spoken word, kind of beautiful, kind of impressionistic. What you guys are saying makes sense. Um, it's funny. I have always taken the unforgettable fire is more of a spiritual record and didn't for whatever reason, didn't associate it so much with America. But like Cohen said, it's, it's here. They got the range and the machinery for change. Um, and it's here where we were just completely screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and so that that it's funny to look at it in that light. It it kind of seems like you know with consumption in America, products, brands, sex, the distance, the difference between love and sex. There's there's a lot of that in these lyrics on Promenade, and um, you know, it, it's it's the difference, I guess. Maybe it it still is a spiritual record in that, you know, it is intimacy and romance that matters. It's not it's not just sex and consumption. Um, But, you know, as you know, you know, our our country has such strange beginnings and uh, those things are still with us. Um, There's a violence to our hope. And uh, it's something that we have to come to terms with, you know. I'd never thought about that in light of uh, the unforgettable fire, but having this conversation with you guys, I am thinking about it. I think I only thought about the higher ideas of it, but there's a fair amount of criticism going on, and I think that as there should be, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Martin Luther King was assassinated for believing that people should just be included,
1: and and that they could do. And I I do the the, the fact that he was it was peaceful. I think. Flies in the face of America, just like you're saying. There, we have a we have a violent nature. I mean, we started with the revolution, and there is, there is. It it almost has always felt like um, peaceful protest is looked down upon. Like yeah. taking a knee at at the national anthem. That is a that is a very peaceful protest, uh, and it's and it's almost shunned. I mean it's looked at in a, in a very bad light for a company that start for a country that started by throwing fucking tea into a harbor because they weren't going to pay the tax on it. So I mean, it's 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 uh, hypocritical at best.
0: Nielsen, any last words before we get scores?
3: I think it just um I think there's like some clues into like kind of Bono's delivery of it, of the song and how he sings Cause there's something so it's almost like Ryan, you said, a, um, he's like spoken word, but there's almost like a, um, there's a weird, almost like lullaby to it. To me, there's like a, it's like, it's whispering in your ear and I don't know. It's, it almost feels like it's the after to something else. Like, cause it doesn't have the same like fight, like that the other songs do. That's why I think I've always loved it. Like, um, there's something different in his voice of how he delivers it. So um, I don't know. I it all, I always gravitated towards it because it, it felt like, um, you know, the word I'm looking for of how it like emotionally made me feel just because of the way, like there's a lightness to the drums. There's a lightness to like the way that like the edges guitar again, is doing that delay. Like it's kind of, it's almost like you're watching him, Kind of become the edge in this album in a weird way, like what what, and all those factors are kind of happening in this song and this, in this delicate little dance. It's
2: a really good yeah. point, Nelson.
0: Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. The evolution of the edge. Yeah, right here. Yeah. All right, Nielsen, your score. Seven.
2: Okay, Matthew. I gave it a one, but I absolutely love it. I only didn't listed it because I had to. It was. I
0: know. You I'm know. I've, sorry. I'm not, I've, sorry. We. I'm not saying do it to this.
2: make you feel bad. I'm just. I just want to be clear. Like it. <laughs> it was just like. I knew Unforgettable Fire was ten, and then everything else was ten. Yeah.
0: Wayne.
1: Uh two. I, th- I I. I. I enjoy it. I, I say the the only song on this record that I don't that I don't get, and I I, how I scratch my head on why it's here is the next one. But it's funny as it works. You would th- um, promenade. That's where you would watch the fireworks on Fourth of July. So, um, but to put it, at, the weird thing is that they put it at the end, and then they start the second side with yeah. the with the basically what I would have considered a follow up, at least yeah. um, in words alone.
0: Yeah. All right. This is my three over on the user score, listener scores. Um, there were a couple higher scores on this. Uh, Kieran gave it an eight. Carly Anderson gave it a seven. Most everybody gave threes and and twos and fours, so I think we're all in the the same boat, but there's other songs that are more of our favorites. Um, This would be where we would flip the record over or flip the cassette over, so you already mentioned Wayne, the 4th of July is next. And it is the instrumental song on this on this album, and I don't know if this is true or not. But I remember uh, hearing like 15 years ago that this was the only instrumental song that's ever been on a U2 record. Not not counting the Passengers record, which is mostly instrumental. But um, and I don't know if that still holds true because the last. Several records I've listened to, but not fully embraced, like I have, you know, the '80s and '90s content. So, um, the couple things that I read from this was this was uh, Adam Clayton who was messing around on bass, and Eno decided to record it, and then of course uh, the Edge jumps in and does some some guitar work over the top of it, and. There you go. There's your song. Does does this work on this album? Absolutely. Because I I like I like it as an intro for bass. Yeah.
2: It absolutely, it works. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah.
0: How often Nielsen and and Matthew? How often do you guys throw an instrumental on your records?
1: Mm.
2: We did we did we did on strays Not often.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: I know we did it on strays. There you go. They're they're they're, they can be tricky. They can, but they can also be um, a perfect like bridge to like from two things, you know. And they and they can make they can glue an album in a weird way. So, I mean this and this this song doesn't betray the album. I don't think. I don't think so either. It's 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 definitely. It, it definitely, like you said, it's like, an it's, it's definitely, I mean, it stays within the context of sonically what they were exploring. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it doesn't take me out of the mood.
2: I think instrumentals yeah. contribute to like the filmic nature of music. And I, I think that sometimes we, we can dismiss them, um, you know, because, because maybe they feel indulgent or, or, but they, they almost always are, they're almost always contributing to the to, to the cinema of a movie, uh, of, a, of a record, a collection, you know.
0: I was going to say we just, but Wayne um, bowed out of the George Harrison "All Things Must Pass" episode that we that I recorded, and um, there is some self-indulgence on sides four and uh, I'm sorry, sides five and six of that particular album because it's mostly instrumentals, and yeah, it does feel so. Pretty indulgent on on that particular record, but i I see where you're saying like on on this it's not super long, you know, and it's it's just right it's it's um all right, so it didn't track very high for all of us. this was my one Wayne
1: it was also my one, and like I say I thought it was oddly done, and i i but I like it uh, like uh nielsen and and matthew said it it fits because to me it's it's breaking the mold like this isn't how you know we're a rock band and we don't typically start side two with a uh, not only an instrumental but an instrumental that really doesn't highlight what we do best and flies and the, it flies in the face it's titled Fourth of July and it and it couldn't sound least less like the Fourth of July and I I think that is intentional. I think it is Brian Ito's influence and I think it is a way of saying, we're not going to do stuff the way we were doing it.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, Matthew, your score?
2: I gave it a two. Because I do All think right. that it, it's weird. It, 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 it hands itself really nicely over to bad. It, it, it definitely works that way. Yeah.
0: Nilsson, your score? Yeah. Okay. And on the listener side, um, everybody everybody gave it a one or a two, with the exception of Bud, who gave it a three. And um, so that leads us into bad. We've already alluded to a couple different times. Wayne talking about you know a song about heroin because it is. Um, so let me let me just throw the gauntlet down here. All right, we've already talked about "Wide Awake in America." The recorded, the live recording that's on "Wide Awake in America" is my favorite song from you two, and my favorite song ever. Like when that comes on, I stop whatever I'm doing. I finally got to see you two a couple of years ago when they did the um you know the 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 Joshua Tree thirtieth anniversary tour. They played a couple songs ahead of time before going into the full album They played this song and I cried. I don't cry very often um, and especially not at concerts, but I cried at this um. So, I love this song. It touches me in all the all the spots. So I'm just throwing this down. This is my ten. Now you guys can talk all you want about about this song because, like, I could spend I could spend the next hour t- telling you how much I love this song.
1: It's a phenomenal song. I think the the thing that that kept it from being my top score is that this isn't the best version of the song. Like you you said. Um, it has an energy live that isn't captured on this recording and it's on every live. I listened to a couple and the one I I love the most is, is the somewhat indulgent 13 minute live aid performance. I think that is, that's my favorite. And I love what I did think was cool. And I can't be an accident is he uses, he starts with satellite of love when he, when he insperses a song, then he in towards the end, he puts in Ruby Tuesday uh, sympathy for the Devil, and then he finishes with a walk on the wild side. Lou yep. Reed and Keith Richards, possibly the two most famous users of the drug heroin. <laughs> hmm. I, I, that's not an accident. That can't be. Don't.
0: I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I don't know, but yeah, that. And and I, when I say that the live version is my favorite song ever, um, it doesn't. It doesn't detract from this recording. I've I listened to this recording in a different light, similar to a sort of homecoming. That's also on Wide Awake in America, but I I like the album version of of that song better than the 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 live version. The I feel like there's they're just different, a little bit different songs, but I, yeah. I still love that I still love this version of it as well. So it's my 10. What do you got on this,
2: Matthew? It's just a, it's uh, one of the first songs that like just put me in that place that only music and and love can, you know? Um it's 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 the sound of road noise, you know? Um it reminded me of my brother who's had a lot of trouble, it reminded me of my brother. Um I didn't know at the time what the song was about when I was a kid, you know? Um, it's funny how those things tend to work, how, uh, you know, you just kind of instinctually find, uh, intersections, you know? But again, like, like you guys are saying, it's, it's just, it's, 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 it's a song of kind of pure magic, you know? Um, you know, it's it's hard to explain to younger people who didn't experience part of YouTube. They didn't experience it the first time. You know, um, just like for me, like when I go back and I go back and I love early Stones. I don't think it's quite the same as being there and hearing it for the first time. You know, um, I love it, uh, but you can't quite appreciate how different it actually was. Um, and and I will say that there are some very de- Zeppelin. There's some very Zeppelin uh, features going on in this song, uh, with the the fact that it's a three piece and it, it's it's tribal and it's mm-hmm. so wide. It's almost like Zeppelin slowed down on heroin. <laughs> um,
0: Nielsen, Nils- you got anything on this one on bad? Yeah, I mean, it's
3: I, I agree with everything everybody's saying. I mean, what like I love that version. On the on the EP, the Wide Awake in America EP. I mean that But this like it just kinda of speaks to how great the song is and how many different times we've heard him perform it that like in all these different cases the song still holds up. I mean I was just looking at those lyrics because I didn't know like I mean I wasn't aware of the drug like meaning when I first heard it. But like just What we were, I mean, those guys were kids growing up in the troubles, you know, during the time it was like over, that was overhanging everything in that country, you know, talking to Ben about that. Then my, my mate, they, what those guys were going through, it's, we, I always, we always talk about their similarity between Ireland and Mississippi. Like there's a, there's a, a similar, similar, like sorrow kind of in the land of both places. And I just looking at those lyrics of like this desperation, dislocation, separation, condemnation, revelation, intentation, isolation, desolation, let it go. I mean, that's like, sounds like we're the conversation we were having before we started talking about the album of what Ryan was saying. I mean, you said that word dislocation. I mean, it's no different, really. It's just, it's like a different way. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's a different problem and a different thing but it's still that same there's that desperation and and um, that, that desire to like to overcome it to overcome the angst of your moment I think and I think that's what that band just they just swung as hard as they could every damn time and that is why I think we all like are responding to it
0: yeah I could dissect the So fade away to let it go. I've dissected that so many times in my brain where it's like, (laughs) do you, do you, do you clean break it or do you, or do you fade away? Can you fade away to let something go? (laughs) Um, Anyways.
1: And what I like is from a, from a songwriter perspective is when you read it, um, he's, it's coming from both sides and it's hard to sometimes tell where. So it's, it's about a person who's addicted to heroin and a person who loves someone who is addicted to heroin. And it's almost, uh, it's difficult at some times to, you could read them either way. Um, But there's definitely two people or two perspectives in this song.
0: Again, it's walking the wire, man. It's walking the wire. All right. Uh, I already laid down. This is my 10. Wayne. Nine. Matthew.
2: I gave it a seven, but it's a 10. All right.
0: Nielsen? Nine. All right. Spoiler alert, this is our top song. And uh, g- looking over at the listener scores, uh, four people gave it their tens as well. So Dave Greenberg, Mark Nies, Carly Anderson, Kevin Peters. And um, there were a couple nines on there. John Lamarone and Bud Verge gave it nines as well. So tracked really high on the listener side as well. All right. Next song is Indian Summer Sky. No notes on this one what do you got?
1: This one definitely feels like um nuclear war again because there's a there's an impending doom that's created by the guitar and the vocals uh and then also and I would say
0: the drums too the percussion yeah, and the, and
1: then well especially at the end um where it cut it has that 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 quick drum fill and then it it just abruptly ends, which would be. Uh, uh, a cla- poetic way to do that, but um, it also, to me, it had it did have a little more of a throwback sound to War. It had, you know, especially with the ha ha ha, and uh, but it really, like I say, they use the guitar to really create um, anxiety and an impending doom.
2: Okay,
0: Matthew, what do you got on this one?
1: Again,
2: it, to me, it's a bit like Wire in that it it, it, it feels emotional to me. Um, I, I, I just think it. It's that it's kind of, it's like a, it's almost like a Pollock or something. It's like a, it's, it's as if it were painting, but it's music, you know, it's just those guys just throwing paint in a really, really kind of visceral way. I, I love it. Yeah. Nielsen, anything?
3: Yeah. I mean, it just feels like a, like a street rumble <laughs> that you want to go Did you get <laughs> involved. Is, is that what you said? Yeah. You want to go start throwing <laughs> punches, man? It's like the Jets. That's you know? like music like, used to make you well, feel that way, story,
2: that, but... That's like amazing. Like, let's go get in a fight. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I know. Maybe, yeah. again, that's maybe just because we were younger. Old man yelled <laughs> <in> this <sky. laughs> guy.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh This is my two. Wayne, what do you got? Uh, six. Matthew?
2: I gave it a five, but, you know, dot, dot, dot.
0: That's a 10. I yeah. know. I get it. All right. Uh Nielsen? two all right over on the listener scores actually got a couple sevens Kevin Peters and Tom Nierberg gave it gave it seven so um, mostly middle middle of the pack like like our scores on huh? all right Elvis Presley in America is next beautiful song beautiful song yep mm-hmm. yeah. And again, going back to what you were saying, Wayne, about their fascination with America, yeah, here it is. Um, you know, with, with the amount of of influence and popularity of Elvis Presley, like, I have a huge collection of music. I don't own any Elvis Presley albums. Do you guys own any Elvis albums? I have some CDs.
3: I have over the, over okay. the years, but... I think I've lost a lot of things I own through yeah, moves. I had
2: some as well, but I don't know where they are. Yeah, not
0: not something I seek out.
2: I'll tell you, dude. That mono mix of Blue Moon is pretty special. If you've never heard the mono mix of Blue Moon, it is okay otherworldly. <laughs> gotcha.
0: gotcha. I'll have to check it out. That's um, that's
2: my geek talk for the day.
0: There you go. Here's here's what's Impressive about this. So according to what I read, and again, we'll have to see if this is actually true. Eno encouraged Bono to just improvise lyrics while listening to music for the first time. And so this is recorded where Bono thought that this was the rough cut of it. And instead, this is it. This ended up being the final track. That's just amazing those, to me.
1: Yeah. Both of those things I think are my favorite part cuz it has this rambling meandering feel to it and it does have a a moment in time feeling to it. Like he was you know was was absolutely right. Like that's that's perfect. He's that moment will never happen again and we got it on tape and we we got to get it on this record.
0: Yeah, and a, a, again I don't know how much of this is true or not, but somebody had written on the interwebs that uh, this was uh, Bono's reaction to the Albert Goldman biography of Elvis Presley, which he had read, which not the last time that his vitriol would be thrown at Goldman because God Part Two. yeah, he calls out Goldman in the uh, biography that he wrote about John Lennon. So he called him out and he was like, you know, don't believe the lies that he wrote or something something to that effect. I'd, I'll have to go listen to God Part 2 again. But yeah, it, this is just lightning in a bottle. I think that that's, that's what you got on this, on this particular song. Like, you know, Nielsen, I think you were talking about going back and, you know, do you re-record something when you know that the first time you recorded it is perfect? This is case in point right. on that. I think.
3: No, you don't. <laughs> the yeah. answer is no. no. Yeah, you
0: don't. Yeah. All right. You guys have anything else before we get scores?
2: I just think it's beautiful. They're just, they're just jumping off of buildings left and right on this record. It's, 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 it's really, really beautiful.
3: There's something, too, in Bona's voice, again, that reminds me of yeah, yeah, yeah on the song. There's like a similar... Like, it makes those two things make sense to me. Um, it's it a softness that's different than the rest of the record. And that acoustic that comes in on that song is, like, so badass. And, like, that, that out of nowhere, it's like the greatest... Jumbo acoustic that comes in on it and just grooves like anything. So I don't know. Like it's like they just oh, we'll do that too. We'll take this and make that like, you know. So I don't know if that was like a reference to the to the king, like of his thing, you know, like on the latest flame or something, but it's cool. Yeah. All right.
0: This is my seven, Wayne, your score.
3: Also a seven.
0: Alright, Matthew.
1: I gave it a six. Nielsen. Four.
0: Okay. Um on the listener side of things, did track super high with the exception of Karen Flanagan gave it a 9. John Lamero gave it a 7. Uh, most people gave these 2s and 3s and 4s. All right. And then we're going to wrap this up with MLK.
2: Sleeve Oh, mm-hmm.
0: this is not the first time we've talked about Martin Luther King um, today Um, I just love this song there is a a beauty in the simplicity on this song like there's not a whole lot to it I don't even know who is playing the synthesizer part I don't know I don't know who, who is doing that um and it's just, like I said, it's just simple, but I think it's the perfect exclamation point to this, this record of, we're going to be a little different, and just you wait, because the next couple albums are going to be super fantastic as well. What do you guys have on MLK? Matthew, what have you got on this one?
2: uh you know i think that i think that the record in a lot of ways is 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 going between the difference between love and addiction and sex and love and consumption and spirit and soul and um i think it's interesting in in the context of that you know the, the american version of those things you know it's funny in the context of that you start thinking like you know sleep sleep tonight may your dreams be realized you know, um, and they have right. Thirty five years later, they have
0: no. <laughs> I'm just, sorry, I'm being devil. It,
2: no, right it, it's 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 interesting because it, it to me, the, I've always loved this song because it seems so just warm. You know, there's there's a generosity in this 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 record of you know hoping hoping that the person that's addicted to heroin or hoping.
0: That people who are still embracing old time bigotry will change their minds.
2: The people in conflict will find their way. Yeah. Like that's what it sounds like they're, they're yeah. saying at the end here. And there's, yeah. there's, there's something really beautiful about that. You know, there's a generosity there that, 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 that those things are the human condition. It doesn't make it right. You know, it doesn't, but we, we are flawed and ugly. Um, but, I guess the record is saying, but you can actually be beautiful. Yeah. You know?
3: Well, yeah, I love it. It's just, I mean, it's like a hymn. It's a prayer. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. To end it, you know? And, um, with this moody organ and this beautiful vocal, and I mean, like, it's almost like the, weirdly, like, the synthesizer or organ kind of like, holds over and starts the next starts Joshua tree where the streets have no name you know in a weird it reaches out and touches the next one like the like and that's it, yeah. i don't know that's it's sim- it's a simple prayer and i think that's the best way to end it which you
0: know? which is i think how they ended war as well so they end that with 40 which is also a psalm or a prayer however you want to interpret that so yeah. it yeah it's just yeah, they know how to close. They know to know how to close records. That's for it, sure. And open, <laughs> and open. <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> Wayne, any last comments on MLK?
1: No, just rehashing what everybody else has said. Like I say, it has. It's a. It's a. A, a perfect album closer. It has this very funeral hymn uh, feel. It's not a technical bookend, but it is. I mean, Pride was the second song, um, so we got a. You know, kind of his life and times, uh, up to his assassination, and then a, a, a funeral hymn uh, to finish it off for Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. All right.
0: I went. I went. Um, I went a different route on my score than most people. So I gave this my nine. I love this song. This, it just hits me. It's it's a mood piece, and it just hits me right. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, your score. A four. Okay. That's all I had left. Yeah. Matthew.
2: Um I gave it an eight. But it's a ten.
0: I know. <laughs> we knew that. And Nielsen, your score?
3: I gave it a three, but it's it's a fifteen really. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think they're pulling for us on this record, fellas. I think they're one that's not yeah. screwed up too much. That's my take. All
0: right, uh, on the <laughs> listener side of things, um, most people were middle of the pack, so a lot of lot of sixes. So Darren Hyde, David Greenberg, uh, Carly Anderson, John Lamoureux, Kevin Peters all gave sixes for this. So that was that was as high as it went over on the listener side. Um, all right, so before I we uh, we talk about our top five. Did we cover everything? Did we miss anything on this record?
2: I don't see how we could have been.
0: All right. Um, so our top five. Well, let me give the listener listener top five first. So listener top five is sort of homecoming, average score of eight point one, just edged out. Pride in the name of love with an average score of eight. Uh, they gave bad their three with a seven point eight. Average score. Unforgettable Fire was fourth, and then Wire was their fifth. Our top five. I already mentioned Bad was our was our top song. Unforgettable Fire was our second with an average score of 8.25, followed by Sort of Homecoming. Pride in the Name of Love was our fourth, and then we have a, we have a tie for fifth. Elvis Presley in America and MLK is uh tied for for fifth with an average score of six, so we have a top six for us, which look on a on a album that has so many great songs I'm cool that we didn't do a top five it's a top six so there we go all right, gentlemen. this has been a pleasure as always uh, thank you for picking this record thank you. I will say this. I will say this. So after our epic Actung Baby episode with Matt Nathanson, um, we did have a lot of listeners who were like... So so Matt is coming back on for Unforgettable Fire, and my guess is um, somewhere down the line we'll have Matt Nathanson back on, and he'll probably make us redo this whole episode because he'll want to talk about this as well. So, and... Wayne, I'm I'm cool if we do this twice.
1: I, I wouldn't have a problem with that.
0: Okay. All right. Just just making sure you were cool with that. All right. Um so so I know that you guys we already talked about where they can find you on the socials and all that. So where can they find Stray's? Where can they find Stray's music?
3: Tell them. Wrong. Where yes. can
0: they
2: find Stray's music?
0: Uh Google Google machine. Google machine. All right. <laughs> and I do use Spotify on a regular basis. You can find uh, you can find Strays Don't Sleep there. Um, I'm assuming yeah. you're on all the all the platforms, Bandcamp and what have you.
2: Yeah, Bandcamp is the preferred one, yeah. but it, it's everywhere. Wherever you listen, yeah. it's beautiful. All right.
0: And then Nielsen, how about for your for your music? Where can they find you?
3: Uh, spot Spotify is the best place and the Googles.
0: (laughs) Okay. Go find the Googles. All right. Uh, let let me wrap this up. So, um, of course you can find us on the socials. I haven't completely, um, walked away from the social media, which sounds like I probably should just for my fragile psyche. Um, all right. So last time, last time we had you on, Matthew, we asked you the question of uh, who do you know that we don't know, and uh, you hooked us up. You hooked us up with, with David from David and David fame and uh, chatted about Talking Heads. So anybody else out there that uh, we should be talking to, to about one of their favorite records?
2: Nielsen knows a ton of people. Nielsen? Who do you think they should talk to?
3: You should have, um, like, God. You should have Sam Baker on. Yeah. Sam Who Baker was that again? It would be amazing. Sam, Sam Baker. Baker. Okay. Yeah. Okay. From he's from Austin, Texas.
2: Yeah, really beautiful. Right. Okay. Uh,
3: up. At, uh, he was blown up in a train bomb in the eighties. Um, in and in, uh, Machu Picchu. Like he, he's like one of the most fascinating stories. He's an amazing writer, amazing writer. Okay. All right. We'll, and and, and we'll painter, an one. amazing painter. So.
0: Gotcha. All right, we'll chat offline on that. Um, all right, just as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes. Go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on the socials at Podcast Records on Twitter uh, and just find us on Facebook. Just search for Records Revisited Podcast. Wayne's on the Instagram. Where are you at there?
1: Records Revisited Podcast.
0: And then, of course, make sure you go check out our Patreon. If you want to get your episodes a week early and if you contribute at the guest revisitor level, you can join us on an episode to talk about one of your favorite records. Just go to patreon.com slash podcast. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Now that we're getting back to live shows, make sure you go find your favorites and go support them. Be sure to buy a t-shirt of the band um, or just buy a regular black hanes t-shirt that works too according to matthew and nielsen uh visitor record store and not just on record store day we are records revisited and we are out (laughs) delayed reaction there from nielsen love it (laughs)